investing in. And so uh, I want you to prepare your hearts. Get your Bibles out. Get your pen, your paper out. Hallelujah. There's a word for the house. And I'm going to invite Pastor Dante Sumter to come forward after he's finished. We will use about five minutes of, uh, of communion time as we do on the first Sunday of the month. And then God is going to take us wherever else he wants to take us. Would you help me welcome Pastor Dante Sumter to the podium? I love you, man. Praise God. Praise God. Praise Praise God. Hallelujah. I want to do something here real quick. I was reminded when we were worshiping. Hallelujah. When God's spirit was just in here and I was thinking about one time when. Thank you, Lord. I was going to a, a church back in college. I playing football at East Carolina University and I was going to this church multicultural church Hispanics, blacks whites and that's where God started to impress on my heart the vision in my, for my life and, and the type of people I'll be leading and where I'll be pastoring and they talked about how to go on these mission trips to the Dominican Republic and they went out and they would go to the villages and they talked about how in America we put God in such a box, especially during our worship services, because we're always watching the clock. And he said the reason they have so much breakthrough in their life, the reason they see so many miracles and demons cast out and, and bodies being raised up from the grave. He said the reason we see that is because they don't even have lights in these churches. But they don't stop worshiping and praising God from sun up to sundown. Because they believe in the power of God that God can do what no man can do. And when God speaks, you better believe that it will come to pass. And it is true because it is in God's word and God is not a liar. I want to try something real quick. I want you to stand to your feet with me. Don't let me worship up here by myself. But I, wanna, I, I want you to this morning focus on how God doesn't just outpour one time. God doesn't just fill your well one time and when it runs dry, you got to find somewhere to get it. When God fills your well, he continues to fill. So when you run dry, guess who's right there to fill you right back up? This morning, we're going to stretch out to God. We're going to lift our hands right before I pray, right before I minister. And we are going to ask God for a fresh outpour. Lift your hands and ask God for a fresh outpour this morning. God, we need a fresh outpour. We need your spirit like never before, God. Hallelujah. Lord, we need a fresh outpour. God, we need an outpour on our bodies. An outpour on our children. An outpour on our government. God, we need you to move mountains that we can't move. God, give us the power to speak the things and they come to life. We need a fresh outpour, God. We need your peace to, to, to rev up on the inside of us. We don't look at the culture and let the culture determine what we're going to go, what we're going to do. God, you have spoken in your word. Ask God for a fresh outpour this morning. I need a fresh anointing. I need a fresh touch. Touch my mind. Touch my body. Touch my heart. Touch my blood, my brain, my heart, my organs. Touch my spirit, God. Well down deep on the inside. Let your spirit spread out. Hallelujah. Somebody shout hallelujah. Hallelujah! God, we need an outpour. 
we need an outpour. God's spirit is greater than COVID-19. God's spirit is greater than a monkey pox. All this stuff they're talking about. God's spirit is greater. And God convicted me. Let me tell y'all, God convicted me. Because we allow the natural to become the normal. And we allow what, I have to be careful how I say it. We allow all the negative to become normal. And eventually what happens is you stop believing in the mountain moving power of God. And God had to convict me. I had to get back to my roots. And I had to get before God. You look on internet, you have all these heresy hunters and everybody telling you if you believe in the spirit of God, then you're wrong. And you got, if you, if you get bogged down in all that, you'll miss what God is doing. You'll miss what God is doing. If you can, you can be seated. I'm going to go ahead, go ahead and get started. Hallelujah. I cannot start without thanking God, my beautiful wife in the back, Leah. I know you're going to be sheepish, but I need you to stand up. (laughs) Praise God. Praise God. I'm going to tell y'all. As you and I both know, we could testify, I'm telling you, when you got two folks trying to come together and live together for the first time, it's not the easiest. But I thank God for my wife. And let me tell you, it's not wrong, men in the room. It's not wrong to ask God to give you a divine love that you don't have in the natural for your spouse. It's OK to pray that. Actually, it's, it's I recommend that you pray that because you won't live your life. Loving like the world says love. When things get fickle or, or a wrinkle starts to come up, that you start to, you know, shrink back in the love that you have proclaimed when you stood before the altar. So I just thank you, my beautiful wife, my mom-in-law's in the back. And I want to thank you, Pastor Ross. I want to thank you for just trusting me with God's word. And I want to thank God for trusting me to be able to stand before you and declare God's word. I don't, I don't take it lightly. And I watch Power Up. I tell you, Pastor Ross is probably one of the most consecrated men I've ever seen in my life. I mean, I'm pretty sure you guys seen a lot of consecrated people, but I'm driving. I just got done with my workout and I'm looking and there's a notification that assembly Power Up. And I'm like, it's four o'clock. How did he already? I mean, you had to t- take time to prepare. But I'm telling you, that inspires me so much because when you get kids, you go to school. It's hard to find that time for yourself to be able to stand before God and just consecrate yourself, especially when the kids are competing on who's going to get up first. I'm just like, you just went to bed at 12 and you're still beating me up. I need time to pray, you know, but I want to pray. Before I get in the word, we're going to thank God together because God is so good. Lord, I thank you for your power. Lord, I thank you for your presence. I pray, Lord, for your word. I pray, Lord, that it be sharper, as you said, in a double-edged sword. And Lord, that you would divide the spirit and you would divide the natural. And Lord, I pray in your mighty name that you would speak to us and give us a word for our relevant situation right now. And Lord, I pray that you would spark something on the inside that as we leave those doors, that we're not the same Bob, we're not the same Sarah, but we're different. When we walk out of here, we need a name change. We need you, God, like never before. And I thank you, Jesus, for being so ever present with us. Thank you. In your precious name, I pray. Amen. Amen. I want to take you on a, on a journey that we're literally living and that we just live, that, that this is not just, uh, I just looked at a calendar and said, I want to talk about Genesis and Sarah and Abraham. But this is, this is something that we definitely lived in our living, that we're coming out of this experience, that we're coming out of this season. And then God is blessing us into a new season as we get ready to drive all the way across the country. I want to say uh, Washington State, way on the other side. Ooh, boy, I tell you, we drove that before. We're getting ready to drive it again. But I do. I trust God that he's with us every step of the way. I want to share with you a, a, a game that 
kids used to play back in the day where they would take two individuals and they have to race. This is a walk. And they have to race in a straight line from point A to point B, blindfolded. And they'd have to walk. And you say, how in the world are they going to be able to do that? They're going to run into something. Well, they were given walkie-talkies. And so each person had a person that they confided in, that they trusted in, and that person will then give them direction on how to get to point B. Now, if you're on the end where you're blindfolded, guess what that means? That means that you have to trust the person that's speaking to you through the walkie-talkie. But if you don't trust that person and you start deviating and going on your own plan, then you might not make it to point B. You might end up all the way in C. And Abraham and Sarah find themselves in the same place in Genesis chapter 16, 1 through 4. That's the base text for today if you're following along in your scripture. We're going to find that Abraham and Sarah are, are facing the same sort of situation. They have to rely on God. They're in a situation where it seems so dead. They have to rely on God to bring his promises to pass rather than taking matters into their own hands. The title of today's message is going to be Don't Sleep with Hagar. Don't Sleep with Hagar. And some of you might be asking, Pastor, what in the world does that mean? Don't sleep with Hagar. Well, we have the text. We're going to go through the text and let God speak his word to us. And then we're going to have a good time in God's word and pray that God's word will will bless us today. Let's look there at Genesis chapter 16, verses one through four. Now, Sarah and I'm reading out of the uh, this one's out of the NRSV here. Now, Sarah, Abraham's wife, bore him no children. She had an Egyptian slave whose name was Hagar. And Sarah said to Abraham, you see that the Lord has prevented me from bearing children. Go into my slave girl. It may be that I shall obtain children by her. And Abram listened to the voice of Sarah. So after Abram lived 10 years in the land of Canaan, Sarah Abram's wife took Hagar, the Egyptian, her slave girl, and gave her to her husband, Abram, as a wife. He went into Hagar and she conceived. And when she saw that she had conceived, she looked with contempt on her mistress. So Genesis 16, 1 through 4 And we're going to look at some other narratives in Genesis because this was so much to condense. I was sitting there. I'm like, how in the world am I going to take chapter 16 or 15 all the way through 21 and and condense it into one message? So I've been tasked by God with a very hard task, but I believe that he allowed me to get what needs to be said. And We're going to look through there and we're going to see that every Christian should rely on the promises of God rather than than taking matters into their own hands. Say that again. Every Christian should rely on the promises of God rather than take matters into their own hands. And I have three reasons why we can trust this. There are three reasons why we can trust this. The first reason, or why we should, I'm sorry. The first reason is you'll blame God And you'll laugh at him. Now, it might seem crazy, but we're going to get there. We're going to see why I said what I said. Let's look at verse two. And Sarah said to Abram, you see that the Lord has prevented me from bearing children. Go into my slave girl. It may be that I shall obtain children by her. And Abram listened to the voice of God. You see, what Sarah did not know is that God was about to provide a miracle for her. See, God was working up something in the factory that was going to allow her to conceive a child. God was about to open her womb, and she didn't know that, but in turn, she ended up saying, well, God closed me up, so I can't can't have children. And so when you don't rely on God, you end up putting something on God that God didn't do. 
Because remember, God is working behind the scenes, getting ready to do something in her life that she had never seen before. But she's busy saying, I'm blocked because God did it. But God's working behind the scenes. God is manufacturing something for her. And she's about to see God do some amazing things. So if you don't rely on God, yes, you'll blame him. You'll blame him for your current situation and you'll blame him for your current circumstances because you're not relying on him to turn something dead, make it alive. And then the other part you'll see is that you won't just blame God, but you'll laugh at him. Everybody knows the story, right? Let's look at Genesis chapter 18 right here. It's Genesis 18, verse 10 through 12 ESV. And the Lord said, I will surely return to you about this time next year. And Sarah, your wife, shall have a son. And Sarah was listening at the tent door behind him. Now, Abraham and Sarah were old, (laughs) advanced in years. The way of women had ceased to be with Sarah. So Sarah laughed to herself saying, after I'm worn out (laughs) and my Lord is old, (laughs) shall I have pleasure? (laughs) Now we laugh at that because she's like, look, I'm 90, he's 100. How in the world are we going to have pleasure? How in the world am I going to have a child? God, how in the world are you going to do this? And so she started laughing at God. And we're going to find that actually Sarah and Abraham laughed at God, but there's a difference. Sarah right now is laughing at God in unbelief. God, how are you going to do such a thing? How are you going to move such a mountain in my life to produce such a thing in my life? That is impossible. So she laughed at God. Let me tell y'all, I was a, at the same time a husband a father of two, in seminary, pastoring a church, a chaplain candidate at the army at the time I was training, and I was running a restaurant with my wife. And you say, how in the world do you do all that? And I was like, Sarah, I was blaming God for not having time. I was blaming God for not having enough devotional time. I was blaming God for a burden of trying to manage all of this stuff in my life when God never told me to pick that up anyway. And I'm sitting here blaming God when God is the one manufacturing the promise behind the scenes. And I'm blaming God. At the same time, I'm taking two classes and trying to manage a checkbook at the restaurant. And I'm failing two classes. And I'm pulling on my wife like, you don't support me. You don't support me. Why are you not supporting me? And she's like, um, hello, uh, how long have we been married? Six years? I'm still here. And I'm sitting here trying to blame everybody and blame God for where I'm at right now. And I'm taking two classes, failing them. One counseling class, which is an easy A, I'm failing it. And I'm taking Greek and struggling to keep up. Let me tell y'all. It's towards the end of the semester. I'm five weeks behind on some work. Five weeks behind. And I'm telling you, there's a lot that I could tell you, but like I said, I have to put this in one message. I only get 45 minutes, and I'm like, I can't get it all, but I can tell you the meat. Five weeks behind of work. How am I going to do this? I don't know. My professor in this council, Class. Like I said, it's an easy A. I think he looked at my schedule and realized I was taking a lot of classes. So he puts in the submission comment the answers to all the quizzes that I failed. All the quizzes that I failed. Let me say that again because I don't think y'all just caught what I just said. My professor at a master's level gave me the answers to quizzes that I failed, told me to resubmit the quizzes, turned them in, and he gave me full credit as if I'd never failed them before. And I turn around, my wife is sitting right there, we on the edge of the bed, and I look at her, and guess what do you think my response was? I laughed. Now, I didn't laugh in unbelief. (laughs) I didn't laugh in unbelief. I laughed because I just witnessed God do something miraculous in my life that I never thought God would be able to do. I'm crying, I'm stressed, I'm depressed every night, not knowing how I'm going to get through. And I just look over and I just laugh and say, how dare I doubt God? How dare I doubt God for the things that he has done? 
God does those things in your life because he's he's manufacturing a promise. But if you don't rely on him, you will end up blaming him and laughing at him. And some of y'all are in situations. You're in a marriage that seems dead and you know the promises of God. Those who he put together, he will never tear apart. And, and, And it just seems like there's no hope. There seems like there's no hope. You're laughing. God, how are you going to do this? Laughing. It's laughable. It's laughable to go out and tell everybody it's not over. It's laughable to tell everybody at that job that where everybody keeps getting fired and the atmosphere is so terrible and people keep quitting and people keep giving up. It's laughable to say that the atmosphere will change. It's laughable to say that, that, that my children are going to straighten themselves up. It's laughable to say that God is going to come and touch the addiction in, in my family member's life. It's laughable to go tell the world that. But let me tell you about God who can do the impossible. Hallelujah. Amen. When you rely on God, or if, let, me, let me say this, if you don't rely on God, you'll blame Adam and laugh. Second reason every Christian should trust in the promises of God rather than taking matters into your own hands or sleeping with Hagar is because God, hallelujah, God is the one who is working this thing out for you. God is the one making this thing work. God is the one who's turning things around in your life. And if you don't rely on him, you'll end up affecting other people. You'll end up hurting other people. And I know it seems crazy, but you know, when you don't trust God to bring the promise to pass, you'll hurt other people. Let me let me show you. Let me show you in the text. Let me show you in the text. It's actually in. uh, Let's let me get my verse here. It's actually in verse four. Let's look there at verse four. He went into Hagar and she conceived. And when she had saw that she conceived, she looked with contempt. On her mistress. So she started to hate the person that bore a child that didn't come up and say, hey, I want a child with Abraham. No, you gave him to me. (laughs) You'll hurt other people when you don't rely on God. You'll hurt other people and and, and you're driving through the ground in hate and anger. You're not relying and trusting on God. Let's look at Genesis 21, 8 through 10. And the child grew and was weaned and Abram made a great feast on the day that Isaac was weaned. But Sarah saw the son, Hagar, the Egyptian, whom she had born to Abraham, laughing. <laughs> laughing. I know the NLT says making fun of her son. But the SV says laughing. So she said to Abraham, cast out this slave woman with her son, for the son of this slave woman shall not be heir with my son. You see, the result of Sarah not trusting in the promises of God, taking matters into her own hands, caused her to hate her own servant. Kick him away. Because if you don't rely on God, you will affect other people. You will hurt other people. And, and, and you know, I think what took her over the top, now the text doesn't say this, but can I play around with it a little bit? Not to, not to get into heresy, I'm just saying, can, can I bring something out of the text that this is just my interpretation? I think Ishmael's laughing may have reminded Sarah of the time that she didn't trust God. Because when she heard him laughing, playing with the son that was promised and was born, It reminded her of the time when she laughed, not knowing that the son he's playing with was going to be here because she did not trust God. And that's something about a laugh is when that laugh comes, you start to remember what happened in the past. You start to remember how you did not trust God in the past. But God is showing her. Again, that he can do the impossible. And I was pastoring a church. I'm not going to say the name of the church. 
And I know they didn't like me. Sometimes I didn't like them. I'm telling you, our relationship was dead. I'm just being honest, it was dead. And I'm pastoring this church, still doing the same thing, in seminary and all these different things. But I had my resume sent I'm with the Assemblies of God, just like Pastor Ross, and I had my resume sent to so many different districts in the country. And I was ready to find another church to go pastor, bleeding and everything, wounded and everything, about to carry the blood to the next church. And here I am just like, God, you got to get me out of here. You got to get me out of here. I call that I was getting ready to sleep with Hagar. I was getting ready to take my own hands. I was getting ready to try to do this thing by myself because, God, you obviously ain't moving. Now, I'm not saying this verbally, but my actions say that. God, you're not moving, so I need to move myself. You're not moving, so I need to find another church. This thing ain't working out. This thing is dead, so I need to get, get, get this thing going. I need to start investing money and, and putting in the savings so I can prepare myself to move. But you see, God wanted me planted right there because he wanted me not to trust in my flesh. Come on, somebody. He didn't want me to trust in what I can do. He, he didn't want me to, to try and make move mountains on my own. He wanted me to rely on him to start to shift atmospheres and change people's hearts, including my own. God wants you to rely on him. Hallelujah. If you're a Sarah in the room, you might be in a place where it hurts, it sucks, you're tired, you're weary, you're broken, you're depressed. Fearful, anxious, you like God, the promise is not here yet. Don't sleep with Hagar. Don't sleep with Hagar. Don't leave that place that God has you at where you are supposed to be trusting in him to bring dead things to life. God wants you to trust him to bring dead things to life. God wants you to trust him to take a dead marriage and raise it up from the grave. If you got a family situation, he wants to bring it up from the grave. If you got somebody who's lost, he wants to bring them back home. But if you go and take matters into your own hands, you will not see the promise fulfilled. You won't see it. You won't see God's promise fulfilled. And you'll keep hurting other people. You'll keep hurting other people. God has a blessing with your name on it. Somebody turn to your neighbor to the left and say, don't sleep with Hagar. Hang in there. Hang in there. Hang in there. I know some of y'all in the room wouldn't want to do that anyway, but you get the point. Don't take matters into your own hands. Don't take matters into your own hands. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The third reason you should trust in the promises of God, rest in the promises of God, rather than taking matters into your own hands, is because God will get the last laugh. God will get the last laugh. Let's look at Genesis chapter 17 verses 17 through 19. By the way, I just want to say I use a lot of scripture because I want you to see God speaking to you himself. And I want you to connect different parts. The other thing I want you to see through this is I want you to see that when you read the word, it connects. It connects. Let's look there. Genesis 17, 17 through 19. Now, this is Abraham laughing. Then Abraham fell on his face and laughed and said to God, shall a child be born to a man who was 100 years old? Shall Sarah, who was 90 years old, bear a child? Now, I want to stop here for a moment. Now, it might seem like Abraham has lost faith, but see, God never promised Abraham. This is the difference. God never promised Abraham because this is legal too. the 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 mistress system is the culture of that time. God never promised Abraham in Genesis 15. You can look it up. He never promised Abraham that Sarah was going to bring bring him a child. Not in Genesis 15. He didn't promise that. He only he promised that later on. And now we're here in verse 17. So in Abraham's mind, 
I'm going to show you. Ishmael was probably that child that was promised from Genesis 15. I'm going to show you. I'm going to show you. Look at verse 17. Then Abraham fell on his face and laughed and said to Sarah, shall a child be born to a man who is 100 years old? Shall Sarah, who is 90 years old, bear a child? And Abraham said to God, oh, I'm not making this up, that Ishmael might live before you. God said, no, 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 no. Hold on, hold on, hold on. I ain't talking about Ishmael. Because Sarah was supposed to rely on him anyway. You weren't supposed to sleep with Hagar in the first place. Let me, let me show you something. He says, oh, that Israel might live before you. This is Abraham talking about God. No, I'm good. I got, Ab- I got Ishmael. God said, no, but Sarah, your wife, shall bear you a son, and you shall call his name in the Hebrew, Isaac, Isaac. I will establish my covenant with him as an everlasting covenant for his offspring and, and his offspring after him. Now, do y'all know what Isaac's name means? He laughs. Isaac name, Isaac's name means he laughs. God naming Isaac that was for the purpose of reminding Sarah and Abraham that God can do whoo, what he said he can do. So every time they call Isaac, they're saying he laughs. He laughs. Every time they call, son, get over here. Isaac, get over here. They're saying he laughs. Come here. He laughs. Come here. Because God wants this in them. Hallelujah. That when he gets ready to step up and sacrifice the son that was promised, that he can say God laughed. In other words, God moved a mountain that I didn't think he could move. If you're a Sarah in the room, guess what? She didn't think God can move it. So if that's like, if you're like Sarah, then, then you're going to be calling his name and God's going to be reminding you, hey, you doubted me before, but let me show you something. Let me show you what I can do. But if you're an Abraham, that laugh, because Abraham's laugh was a laugh of joy. It was a laugh of faith because he thought it was going to be Ishmael. God said, no, it's Isaac. His laugh was of joy. Oh, you say you about to do this? God, you're about to do something good. He had a laugh of joy. So if you're Abraham, that laugh, like when, when, when I had, when I had the, looked over to my wife and, and passed the class that I didn't really pass, I laughed. Because I said, God, let me tell you something. See, if I, if I didn't pass this course, there is no chaplaincy. If, if I didn't pass this course, there is no graduation. If I didn't pass this course, that course is not offered the next year, which means that I do not graduate to do what God called me to do. Hallelujah. So my laugh was not a, a laugh of unbelief. My laugh was like, God, oh, God, you, you did it again. Hallelujah. You did it again. Let me get some people to say, God, you did it again. God, you did it again. God, you did it again. Hallelujah. When you go into your house, it might not look like you wanted to look, but say, God, you did it again. Speak that thing that doesn't exist as if it does. Get in there and pray over your children. Get in there and pray, God, you did it again. And I guarantee you, God won't doubt you. God won't fail you. Hallelujah. I'm telling you, we live in this thing right now. I'm not just preaching from from the word. I'm preaching from the word and from this experience. That God, and I tell you, I tried to, can't really condense it all in this message, but I'm going to give you what, what, what God needs us to see. Let's look here, Hebrews chapter 11. I want you to see Sarah. I want you to see Sarah here. By faith, Sarah herself received power to conceive. I want you to see that part. By faith, Sarah herself, herself. Why is herself there? Because God is showing us in Hebrews 11. That, that, that Sarah did doubt in her laugh, but then God got her where he needed to get her. And by that herself, she received power to conceive. Even when she was past the age, since she considered him faithful who had promised. Therefore, one man and him as good as dead were born descendants as many as the stars of heaven and as many as the innumerable grains of sand by the seashore. 
I need you guys to see this. That that God's promise is fulfilled in Christ. As numerable as the sins, he promised that to Abraham, the Abrahamic covenant. And he said, when you look up in the stars and if you can count them, which he can't, I will. I, this, this is how many offspring you want to be. Guess what? You and I. We're one of those stars. We're part of the promise. Fulfilled in Christ. And here's the point I want you to get out, out of this, that God has the last laugh in Sarah's case. You know, God had to redeem her in order for, to fulfill this promise. God had to redeem her in order to fulfill his promise. Pastor Dante explained, what do you mean by that? God had to redeem Sarah in order to fulfill the promise. When Sarah didn't believe, God could have told Sarah, because you didn't believe, I won't bring that child to pass. But he made a promise. <laughs> Last time I checked, my God's not a liar. So even if Sarah made a mistake in unbelief, God has to correct it in order to bring the promise to pass. God gets the last laugh. You might have made a mistake in unbelief, slept with Hagar. You might have taken matters into your own hands. But when God makes a promise, let me say that again. When God makes a promise. You cannot abort God's promise. And let me tell you, it's covered in the blood of Jesus. It's forgiven. You're set free. So the promise of God that happens in your life is not because you pray enough. It's not because you read enough. It's not because you took matters into your own hands to bring this thing to pass. It's because God is looking at the blood covering your life. You're in the promise of Abraham. You're grafted in this thing by faith. So if you make mistakes and God still blesses you, he has to redeem you. And we got so many people preaching all this fear. Oh, you know, I mean, just preaching so much fear. But God has to redeem you to bring the promise to pass. And if you don't believe that, guess what? You're going to be trying to make things happen on your own. And God never intended for you to make things happen by yourself. If that's the case, there would be no promise. If that's the case, there would be no cross. If that's the case, there would be no shedding of blood, no wearing of the crown of thorns. Because if you can do it by yourself, mm, if you can do it by yourself, I'm going to get off script for a second. I have to show you a verse. Ah, I'm, I'm telling you, I'm not making this up. I'm not making this up. Let's go to Romans 8. I don't even, I don't even care what translation it is. Let me just go to Romans 4. Oh, man. I need you guys to see this. I'm going to read this. I'm getting off script. I'm sorry. Hallelujah. Ah, Shabbat Akata. Go to Romans 4 with me. If you got your phones, your Bibles, go to Romans 4 with me. I want to I break away and teach for a second. Ah, let's go. I'm going to read it here. If you want to follow along and, and have, a, a, have it sound good, I want you to follow me here in the ESV. Look at this. Romans chapter 4. Romans chapter 4, verse 13. For the promise to Abraham and his offspring that he would be heir of the world did not come through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. For it, if it is the adherents of the law who are to be heirs, in other words, what you can do for yourself and what you can do for God, faith is null and the what is void and the promise is void. Because if you can fulfill a promise by what you do with your hands and feet, it wasn't a promise in the first place. That's 
That's why God has to do this thing by grace. He has to do this thing by unmerited favor that you didn't earn and that you didn't uh, pay for. Because if you could pay for it, it ain't a promise. If I say, Naomi, I promise you that I'm going to get you those new shoes. I promise I'm going to get you those new shoes. But then I turn around and I say, yeah, but you got to be good in school. Which one is it? Did she work for it or did I bless her because I promised it to her? And, and when you start doing that with your kids, I guarantee you start to see changes in your life because you know that they, sometimes they're not the best, but you still bless them. Do you think that they're they going to they gonna change? They're going to get it. They're going to change. Let's go. Let's go here. Let's keep going. For if the adherents of the law who are to be heirs, faith is null and the promise is void for the law brings wrath. But where there is no law, there is no transgression. In other words, if you fall short, there's wrath. There is no blessing. There's wrath. That's why God has to redeem you. That's why he has to redeem you, because if you make a mistake, there's only the grave for you. You don't get blessed. Verse 16. That is why it depends on faith in order that the promise may rest on grace and be guaranteed to some of his offspring. No, no, no. All his offspring, all, not only to the adherents of the law, but also to the one who shares the faith of Abraham. That's why you don't need to take matters into your own hands, but trust in God, trust in the promises of God. Because guess what? Your God treats you as if you are a descendant of Abraham because you are in Christ. You're one of the stars. You're shining not in your own favor. You're shining in God's favor. You're one of the stars, baby. Let's keep going. And I'm closing in this. As it is written, I have made you the father of many nations in the presence of God in whom believe, who gives life to the dead. And this is our verse right here, right? And calls into existence the things that do not exist. And hope he believed against hope that he should become what? This is why faith is so powerful because faith looked at Sarah's womb and he laughed. He laughed because he said, oh, what? You're about to do this? As dead as both of them were to be able to produce. God said he's going to do it. And guess what? He did it in Christ. You and I are, are a byproduct of that promise. You and I receive that promise by faith. Don't take matters into your own hands. Don't take matters into your own hands. Rest in the promises of God. God's salvation promises are true. God's healing promises are true. Rest in the promises of God. Don't take matters into your own hands. Don't sleep with Hagar. Trust in God's promise. Trust in God's promise. Trust God to heal that marriage. Trust God to heal that wayward child. Trust God to get you through health uh, uh, um, law school and, and nursing school. Trust God to get you through that. Amen. Believe in the promise that he has for you on your life. When he calls you, he brings it to pass. He equips you for the call. I'm not, I'm not, I'm telling you, I'm not standing up here preaching because it's something I wanted to do or thought I could do. I was bullied. I thought of myself as nothing. I'm telling you, every day, my brother used to have to redeem me from a bus stop. People throwing rocks, spitting on me. I'm telling you, I'm not, I'm not lying to you. Kicking, I'm, it was, it was just, I, and I, I hated life. I was so afraid of people. It didn't matter who you were, how big you were, how skinny you were, how frail you were, how muscular you were. I was afraid of you. I would tremble in your presence because I, I did not think of myself as anything. But this right here, this right here is not in my own strength. This is not in my own power. 
I couldn't even put a sentence together in the presence of somebody, but God has me declaring the gospel to some nations. I'm telling you, when God calls you as something, hallelujah, it is not up to you to carry it out. God has to keep his promise. So trust in it. God has to bring it to pass. So trust in it. God has to raise them up. So trust in it. Because if you could do it, you wouldn't need them. You wouldn't need them. So let's go over these three reasons. The first reason why you should trust in the promises of God or rest in the promises of God rather than take matters into your own hands. It's because, let me get my point again, I almost forgot it. The reason is because you'll blame God and you'll laugh at him. Start putting things on him that he didn't do. Start disbelieving in him for things he can do. Second, you will, you'll affect others. You'll hurt others if you don't rely on God. You'll hurt other people. And you'll start having them reap the benefits of your disbelief. And then lastly, God's going to get the last laugh. In other words, God will show you. My child, you don't have to doubt. My child, I know it hurts. My child, I know you're in pain. I know it's laughable. Sarah actually said in the text, God has brought this laughter on me. Because when people see me and they see my child, they laugh. They say, there's no way. And you're worried. What are people going to think? What are people going to say? How are people going to treat me? Your circumstance is laughable. And if you're like Sarah, the reason you're laughing is because you don't trust God. And, and you have to do something about it. Whether it's save up the money that God never told you to save. Whether it's drive to a location or move out of that house that God never told you to move out, move out of. Or maybe it's to go to a judge. Or go before a council that God never told you to stand before. Or quit that job that God never told you to quit. All for the sake of it being hard. And God's saying, rely on me and I'll shift the atmosphere. I got you here for a purpose. I got you here for a reason. And when people look at your life and see you still standing, it's because I moved that mountain out of your life. You have to rely on God while he's manufacturing the promise. If you overshoot God, if you try to outrun God, disappointed. You're going to look at that child that's not really your child that you thought was going to be your child and you're going to hate him. It's not the blessing. It's counterfeit. It's not the real thing. If that person's married or, or, or they're separated, but not divorced, I'm separated, but I'm not divorced. Nah, it ain't yours. Stay away. Stay away because it's counterfeit. It's not real. It's counterfeit. If, if their mouth is speaking promises that they're not keeping in their actions, stay away. It's counterfeit. It ain't the real thing. Trust me. God has something out there for you. Somebody out there for you. Trust me. God has somebody out there for you. If you are single and you are meddling with a relationship, that person's abusing you uh, spiritually, if, if physically, like, like that's not the real thing. It's the counterfeit. <laughs> Sarah looked at Hagar's son and she said, wait, he didn't come out of me. It's not the real thing. It's my prayer that God brings a spirit of healing right now. And if you want to come up to the altar, I don't know if we can play something. Come up to the altar have prayer, ask God for an outpour in your situation, and ask God to keep you steadfast where you want to give up, where you want to throw in the towel, where you want to walk away. Have God outpour his spirit in your situation. Let me pray. 
Thank you, Lord. Thank you, thank you, thank you. That you're faithful. That you're a mountain mover. Lord, you make things happen that we can. You heal bodies we can't heal. You set free who we can't set free. And sometimes it just looks like, God, that we've just been praying and tarrying and praying and tarrying and consecrating ourselves before you and we don't see your power happening. We trust your promise to bring it to pass. We leave these doors not moved by what we see. But as it says in Romans 4, Abraham believed in a God who can call those things that are not as though they were. And we believe that today, that you make dead things come to life, sour things sweet. Hallelujah. And we trust you to do that. If this is you, you just say, God, I trust you to do it in my life. I trust you to turn it around. I stay in the fight, God. I don't give up. I don't stop trusting. I don't take matters into my own hands. I will not sleep with Hagar. I will not sleep with Hagar. I will not take matters into my own hands. I'm going to sit right here, God, and I'm going to trust you. When it's hard to trust, I trust you. When it's hard to speak, I pray. God, I need you right now to come down and touch this situation. I stay right here, God, waiting on you to move. Hallelujah. If that's your prayer, I'm believing that God is sending you out with power that you didn't have before, strength that you didn't know that you had because you ain't operating on your own strength. You are moving in harmony with God's spirit. We thank you, God. We love you. It's in your name, Jesus, that I pray. Let everybody say, amen. Amen. Hallelujah.